Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. In the U.S., the RV industry creates $50 billion in economic impact annually. As we march into the summer, research shows that 72% of Americans prefer to drive, but will they be hitting the road this summer? That's a key question, and we talk about that in this interview and whether or not do we think camping is part of the economic recovery for the United States. Toby O'Rourke is the president and CEO of Campgrounds of America, the world's largest system of private campgrounds and leader in outdoor hospitality. She oversees the program services and marketing support of over 500 franchised and company-owned locations across North America. Toby, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's good to have you guys. So is so during COVID, were you guys also locked down or were you able to be open a little bit? We were actually, we fought hard to make sure our campgrounds could stay open across the U.S. and Canada because we host a lot of people that live in RVs. So first of all, there's full-time RVers out there. We want to make sure nobody was displaced. And then also there's traveling medical staff, traveling nurses, um, other essential workforce that travel by RV and stay at our parks. So most states kept us open. Then some we had to do some lobbying and advocacy work, but we were able to keep all of our campgrounds open to at least serve that full-time RVer. Well, a lot of people don't probably don't think about this, but you should think about it, that a lot of the campgrounds are just on the edge of town. They're right on the edge of town. So there's a lot of access. While you might have that outdoor experience, they're right on the edge of town. So it's a very convenient place uh, so you don't have to commute so far. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's why we do see people that are, you know, more traveling workforce, could be utility workers, you know, pipe fitters, nurses, et cetera, will live in RV parks because they are in town and it's easy for them to have everything with them and then go on to the next place that they need to be. But for recreational camping, you're right. You can you don't have to go far to camp. There's a campground near you, probably right on the edge of town. And the other thing I, I want to note, South Dakota, my state where I'm from, mm-hmm. we have the most number of RV uh, people in the country. And that's because we allow a lot of those RVers, those traveling public to register as citizens in our state and we make revenue from it. So uh, we know all about that. Yeah, actually, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, so you can, in South Dakota, you can actually register a post office box. And we have, I think, about 10% of our state's population, a little bit over our population, is nothing but RVers who register in our state as their place of residence. One, because we have no personal income tax or corporate income tax, but we allow that and we recognize that as a revenue producing item for the state of South Dakota. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah. And of course, tourism is a big place because, you know, we're the Mount Rushmore state. So we have the Black Hills and we have right. all the hunting and fishing and so forth. Do you think Americans, what, what, are you, what are you predicting on Americans hitting the road this summer to go camping? Well, we actually did research about that um, in early May. We tried to understand how people were going to recreate and camp and travel um, in light of coronavirus. And we saw overwhelmingly people want to hit the road. People are prioritizing camping. They're prioritizing road trips. I think they're looking for alternative forms of vacation. So that research played back to us that people, you know, value the outdoors more than ever right now coming off stay at home orders. And so they're seeking activities that can get them outside And a lot of that, I think, is being driven by safety. So we asked campers or 
respondents to the survey to rank based off different forms of travel and camping ranked at the top for people who camp and people who don't camp. They rank camping as the safest form of travel. So in terms of my predictions, I mean, they're already starting to play out. I think a lot of people are going to be camping and doing more outdoor recreation. Well, I'm seeing RV ads everywhere and I'm seeing more and more people like in my Facebook feed, Instagram feed, they're actually posting a lot more. Hey, look what I'm going to do. Look what I'm doing. I'm renting this or I'm getting my spot. Um, you know, one of the things that we've seen with COVID, I, I believe, I don't have any data, but I will just knowing what I know, is that more and more families are coming together and they're like really doing the things that we used to do when I was a kid. We're doing the things that we used to do, you know, back in my growing up, uh, you know, uh, adolescence. And it just seems like camping is just that one of those at the very top of the list. Yeah, since we've been doing research on, we call it the North American Camping Report, you're exactly right. We've been seeing year over year more and more people coming into camping, more and more families. The increases in camping are being driven by the millennial population and the Gen X population. So these people that have families, they want to do something unique. And it's almost a nostalgia, right, that they they want to tap back into this this idea of camping and being outside. And when we asked in this recent research we did, 30% 30% of non-campers say they're now interested in camping. So it's bringing a whole new flood of people into the activity that have never tried it before. Do you guys have different kinds of alternatives for people? I mean, can I just come and I've got no RV, I've got no tent, I've got nothing. Do you have something for me? Actually, we do. So that's what I think is really unique about KOA is we can serve all types of campers. Any way you want to get outside, we've got an option. So the majority of our business comes in the form of RV but every KOA has tent sites and most every KOA has cabins. So cabins. you can literally show up and stay in a cabin. Um, obviously we recommend you make reservations, but you're to the point is you don't have to bring equipment with you. Everything would be set up for you. A lot of our campgrounds have you know, canvas tents, yurts, and a variety of other unique forms of accommodations that fall into that glamping bucket. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. So when I even know a number of the KOA campground uh, franchisees because I've gotten to know them over the years speaking at various different things. And I just know a few of them. They're some of the, quite frankly, the biggest millionaires in the community because they bought that property many years ago. And of course, as cities grew, their property got bought up and they had to relocate a lot of those KOA campgrounds over the last 10, 20 years because the cities grew to where the campgrounds used to be. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. We've got a lot of campgrounds still nestled in these urban centers or urban environments because the city grew around them. You know, it may have been on the edge of town or farther outside of town, but then urban expansion. And now we've got these urban campgrounds. And and a lot of these parks have been around for 50, 55 years. They're multi-generation ownership, they're passed down. And so you're right. They these campgrounds families can do very well in this business. How much has the business shifted fundamentally from when you first started to what it is today? Well, I think the business of camping is, you know, camping is pretty timeless. So the idea of getting outside, that idea of a road trip is, is pretty timeless, right? And, and that's hasn't changed dramatically. But the ways people camp and the ways campgrounds have developed have changed. So our early campgrounds in the early days were pretty rudimentary. Uh, we may have had a swimming pool, uh, but over time now, I mean, that KOA is not the KOA it was 58 years ago. There's a lot of recreation. There's a lot of activities. 
with the introduction of cabins, with the introduction of glamping. You know, these are destinations in and of themselves in many cases uh, that people go and they never even leave the park because there's so many things to entertain their families and engage with when they're on the campground. Uh, we still have a lot of campgrounds, we call them KOA journeys across the country that are serving that traveling public. You know, they're all built on convenience for that traveler. And then we've got KOAs where you might, we even call them KOA resorts. We have a handful of KOA resorts where, you know, you, you would probably choose to spend a week there if, if you could. So um, camping has changed with the introduction of activities and more things to do. Yeah, I, I thought it was always a fancy KOA if it had a shower and a place to, you know, clean up. But some of these places have pools and everything else. In fact, my mother, when she was alive, she only passed a few years ago, but she and my stepfather, they had their own camper. They traveled around the country. That's how they got around. And they did a lot of it. And they'd always stay at KOAs. And they had ones that they really liked to stay at. And they, and I remember driving out to go see my mom one night because uh, I was in a city and she was outside the city, so I went and see her, and they're having movie night at oh, the yeah. KOA. So what are, what are some of the special things that these KOA campgrounds have? Yeah, you're going to see pools at pretty much every KOA. That's pretty standard. You're going to see mini golf at most KOAs or some form of golf. And then you're going to see uh, movie nights, like you said, planned activities. A lot of our campgrounds have themed weekends. It could be chocolate weekend. It could be uh, <laughs> slip, you know, water wet and wild weekend where they just do all these water activities and things to entertain kids Christmas in July. So they'll build all these activities around that. And in recent years, Halloween has become a big deal at KOAs. So people will host five or six KOA or weekends for Halloween on their park and they sell out year in advance. It's really tough actually to get a reservation for Halloween at our campgrounds because it's turned into a big deal. They have costume parades, people trick or treat, um, amongst the RVs, and, you know, we think about it, it's a, it's a great safe place to camp and uh, obviously in trick or treat. You can find a variety. My kids and I are headed out this afternoon, actually, to, to camp at KOA, and they're so excited. They can hardly stand it because they just know they're going to have so much things to do while we're there. Now, does everyone I'm holding up, this is the, the, the original, this is it. They're right here, folks. I'm showing you right here in my hands, the original stainless steel camping fork roasting hot dogs and marshmallows now and by the way it, it telescopes it's got a telescopic kind of thing and your last ceo gave me one of these which i was like this is awesome i had to mail it back to my house because i couldn't take it in my luggage because it could be a weapon you know but i use this here at my ranch all the time does everyone get one of these when they go to a ko campground or no, can you get one? most places will sell them yes absolutely but that's such a really interesting story those roller roasters are made by a a man who had one arm and he was working on a way to easily twist the marshmallow. You can demonstrate it there. Yeah, we use those too. Marshmallows, hot dogs, they're they're perfect for the fire. And um, you can probably get your hands on that at most every KOA. I'm going to, I use this. This is our s'more making tour. We make s'mores. That's a big thing for my wife. You know, we have over 500 franchisees. Um, how do you communicate with your franchisees, Toby? How do you how do you have a regular dialogue, especially I would imagine with COVID going on, you had to have a lot of communication like, okay, here's what we're doing for you in Montana. Here's what we're doing for you in Utah. You know, as you said, you had those specialty things where, you know, at first the government probably shut everything down. Right. And then you had to go back and say, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, listen, there's nurses staying out here. We can't shut this down. So how do you communicate with your franchisees? 
Yeah, we always have prioritized communication, which is a big deal in a franchise organization, as you know, but it definitely got put to the test during this COVID situation. So we've actually, what really works well for us is we have a private Facebook group. We have 900 members of that Facebook group. It's for owners and managers of KOAs. And a lot of people interact right there within Facebook um, with each other, asking each other questions. And that's a, a good form of communication for us. We also have email that drives everything back to our intranet site that hosts all of our content. So during the the crisis, we were pushing out daily emails. It could be franchise programs. We were pushing out updates on marketing, things they needed to know. And to your, your point on the advocacy, we were also using a Google doc that people could access live at any time. And I personally was keeping that up to date myself as states were changing their regulations. It was changing on a daily basis for a long time when we first shut down and then as we're coming out of it, we've had a number of changes. So we try to tackle communications from all sides and try to engage with people where they're at. So if they're comfortable with social media, we wanna be there. Um, if they're more of an email person and then we obviously have our internet site. And then sometimes we use text message for pretty uh, things they need to, we need to make sure that they see, we, we push out text message as well. So what are you doing to make people feel so safer about this experience? You know, uh, listen, if I'm in a KOA that's out in the woods and I'm not being a naysayer because I'm a real, real big, huge supporter of you and I'm a real huge supporter of like, let's get open for business. Right. And Mm -hmm. let's just but let's be safe. Right. If I'm out in a more rural setting, it's a little bit I'm a little bit more spaced apart. If I'm in a in a more of an urban setting, camping setting, just outside of town, it might be a little bit more crowded. What are you doing to help people reassure them it's a safe, we're practicing social distances? What are some of the things you're putting into place? We put together a pretty extensive operations guidelines for each of our parks to build customized plans that work for their parks. And then within that, they have to layer in what the state or the county regulations are. So some of the things you're going to see at campgrounds right now will be modified check-in procedures, trying to keep them as contactless as possible. You probably don't have to go in to register. We're putting technology out where you can actually just register through your phone. When you get there, you can be quickly escorted to your site. Um, we're, you'll see, obviously, ample space between sites um, naturally. It's inherently built in, perfect for social distancing, but in places where it might be a little more constrained, the owners are taking assurances to close down certain sites so that people can be properly spaced. And in, in many states, you know, they still have re- restrictions on if pools or playgrounds can be open, especially in these early phases. So we're limiting that for the state guidelines and then opening them as those open back up. Obviously, reevaluating our cleaning procedures of all of our group space and our bathrooms, making sure we're using EPA approved products, making sure we're cleaning them on a more frequent basis, and then sharing that information back to customers because communication is key. So through all of these different things we're doing, we've got lots of different signage options for our franchisees to put up, keep people informed and keep people feeling, you know, safe or more comfortable, right, about the environment that they're coming to. And and with that also, we're encouraging everyone to keep their websites up to date so that the camper can know in advance what to expect. Everyone was talking about, oh, when COVID first broke, wash your hands, wash your hands. I used to think, well, what were you doing before? You know, <laughs> yeah. And but what, what's really unique and what I love hearing of what's coming through is you've always been safe. You've always been clean. Now you're just reassuring people of the things that you've done and how to do it so that they feel more comfortable. Because I think that's what you're trying to do. It's it's an experience of where people are coming to KOA. Right. Yeah. And I never like to 
you know, from the start, we've never told people we're a safe option. So I don't think anybody can say they're safe, but we're definitely taking a lot of precautions to make our guests feel safe and make sure our employees are safe as possible. So we're definitely much more diligent about everything we're doing more conscientious right now. I had a guest on the other day. It was the CMO of Walgreens and, you know, as a CMO and the executive team are all getting involved in local decisions, like where to put the plexiglass, where to put the stickers on the floor, how to space people out, you know, and I had a private conversation and a public conversation that this had to be some unique learnings for everybody. Right. Because it's not like I show up for work. I'm, I'm the CEO. And now I'm talking to people about, where do you put the hand sanitizers, right? What what has been the biggest learning for you through this process that you you thought, oh, wow, I never thought I would have to do that, or I learned so much from this? What would that be? Where I've put the most of my personal time over the past few months has been in the government advocacy work, really reaching out to every governor, you know, key staffers in there and multiple times to keep us open and then to get us reopened. And it's been an education process about camping. And we've been pretty hands-off with the government um, in my role. We don't have to, you know, we'll serve on certain boards or something and give it input, but we don't really interface much with government. But I have been round the clock working on advocacy work for to keep our campgrounds open and operating. And now to get recreational camping back open over the past few weeks. And we still have some states as of today, actually, Friday, every state will be open for camping. So we're very excited about that. The, a few county level ordinances, we're still trying to lobby. There's some states that can only take in-state guests or have capacity restrictions that we're still trying to work through. But it's been, that, that was probably been the biggest learning for me is who do you find, who's the right person to contact? What message is resonating? And it's been an education process. I don't think people understand what private campgrounds are. One last question. Do you think uh, camping is going to play a role in the nation's uh, recovery? I do. I've been saying it from the start that I think that campgrounds and camping, outdoor recreation are going to be vital part of the nation's recovery from coronavirus. Uh, people want to be outside. They're prioritizing that for themselves and for their children. This is a safer form of vacation travel for many people. We're already seeing RV sales, you know, skyrocket, RV rentals skyrocket. So that's going to have a big economic boost on the nation. And in the communities where campgrounds are and where they're thriving, that also has a big economic impact. When people come and camp, then they're spending money in those communities. So I absolutely believe that. And we're pretty proud of that. We want to be an active part of the recovery of the nation, for sure. Toby O'Rourke, she's the president and CEO of Campgrounds of America. Thanks so much for being right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you. It's been great to talk to you. The end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned during the show. It's always a highlight for me. And um, you know what I learned about camping? It's more than camping, okay? You know, it's not only social and it's a family thing, everything else. But let me tell you, from an economic perspective, it's a place for healthcare workers as they travel around the country because a lot of traveling healthcare workers uh, to be able to live. Uh, on a short-term basis. How about construction uh, guys and gals that are in the business? There's a lot of that going on too. And it's a lot more than just what meets the eye. And I think that's what's important. And camping itself, you go in those campgrounds, as you mentioned, my mother loves, to, or she did uh, when she was alive, she loved that uh, the uh, Halloween, they did a Halloween in the middle of summer, the kids dressed up and she got to, you know, dress her dog up. I mean, that dog got better 
Yeah, that dog got better treats than I did when I was a kid. There you go. I'll just say it. I'm over it. Hey, that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget to tell your friends. Cheers. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.